This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, from Livy Delight to Rangers Blight for D. And it surely was over in October for Triumphant Tangerines. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. Sounding much cheerier than I did just 10 seconds ago when I was swearing at George Cran because he wouldn't shut up. And so you can guess that straight from Dens Park, George Cran's <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, I just finished my shift at the game, yeah. In a very bad mood because he usually likes 10 pints after the game, but the pubs were closed when it finished last night. Graham Finnan's here. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You've got plenty in before the game, though. And yeah. like myself, well rested and fresh, Alan Temple's here. <sighs> Hello. Although he does have a baby, so. Mm-hmm. A baby with a cold. A baby with a cold. So, mm-hmm. well, boys, I'm wide awake. <laughs> anyway, we'll start with Dundee and we'll go with the latest first. And the very latest, latest, latest is what happened last night? How do Rangers Lots. get held up? How's a team from Glasgow get held up by an accident to the east of Dundee? Because they, um, I think they spent pre match or whether they stayed or I don't know. Uh, they were coming from St Andrews. So. So they get for uh, so what happens when you've got too themselves. much money, eh? <laughs> uh, and I think there was an accident uh, somewhere that affected the traffic on the bridge, which is already bad because of the the roadworks and stuff. Yeah. Um, no, so as bad as coming in from our end of the area, George. No, that's just mm. as bad. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, it looks yes, like chaos. Yes, this week there will be no football. I'm just going to moan about the A90. <laughs> There's roadworks everywhere. Even on Clepton Road, there was a standstill when I was trying to find a parking space. Um, so yeah, it's it's just been a nightmare, and I think adding thousands of Rangers fans coming up uh, certainly want to help uh, to that. But it wasn't even the most amazing thing that happened at the game last night. It was just a bizarre, bizarre night. Yeah, because I mean, it didn't start until half past eight, and then Bear threw a flare. <laughs> no, <laughs> three minutes in, absolutely nothing to do with me. Is there? Have, have I missed this? Is there a bucket list of ridiculously yeah. inappropriate and stupid things to take to football matches? Yeah, uh, you know toilet rolls, well, flares, tennis balls, tennis balls, vuvuzelas. <laughs> Does what? anybody just go with a pair of sort of what specs? I understand as anybody who goes to away games. Well, know that the vast majority of grounds you are searched before you go in. Yeah, and, and it used to be really, really annoying. But most fans have got used to it now, and they certainly they'll pick out a certain number mm-hmm. and will physically search them. And how Rangers fans on mass managed to get into that stadium by the amount of flares they had um, suggesting there wasn't too much searching going on at Dens last night. I mean, after. Anorak status here. I yeah. remember being in an outdoor shop that had flares for hillwalkers to yeah. set off if they were. Oh, yeah. And they're, a, they're a, I mean, they're not huge, but I mean, it's fist size. So yeah. if you've got it in a pocket or a jacket, it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to have a bulge and stuff. So I don't know how they're not picked up. Yeah, I, was, I mean, it was it was just bizarre, as George said. I mean, we can we can come on to the game that. You know, no, no. Just there's, a, there's nothing. Just as, <laughs> nothing. It was quite quite spectacular and. You know, it's an amazing, the pictures in in the newspapers this morning show show it all. But the, the reality is, you know, there was a th- there must have been I mean there must have been over a thousand fans in the main stand at Dens, plus all the Dundee fans. That stand is built of wood, built of wood. It's a tinder box, you know. Yeah. So you have to be very careful what what, what can happen. You, I mean, in the worst case scenario, which is why some regimes put the press yeah. box at the back and said, yeah. "Smoke if you like, yeah. guys." <laughs> Yeah, so it could have, it could have, you know, escalated. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's actually kind of restrictions on the capacity in that yeah. stand because of the new fire regulations. Uh-huh. It doesn't doesn't match up uh, mm-hmm. as well as it, it could do because it's such an old stand. But mm-hmm. that was the thing that the, the game almost got called off because because of these flares. It was, it yeah, was well, just I believe the fire alarm went off, so yeah. Yeah. the police immediately instructed the referee that you, and you it, need to uh, yeah. quite rightly because you you can't just assume. I mean, it's ninety nine point nine percent certain that some the smoke from the flare has caused yeah. the fire alarms and to go. But then, if somebody drops a flare in the wrong place, then it'll you've got to say it's 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 an orchestrated uh, event, if you like, because it wasn't just one group in one corner with uh, a few flares. Stand, it was yeah. the entire stand. It was like every uh, like the, the message had gone out, and certain every sort of area of that stand 
had someone or a couple of people with a flare in it, so the, the effect was, the effects you got, which looked like the entire thing was on fire, I mean, looking at it from the yeah. Bobby Cox stand. Uh -huh. Quite remarkable. There's obviously a, a wider conversation to be had on this sort of thing, because this problem appears to be going nowhere, and obviously you will get people, and there's probably some credence to the argument that says, why not do more investigations into the what mm. you have in the continent, you know, the safe pyrotechnics and moving towards that. But see, so until you, you, it, yeah. see until you have that conversation, see until you have controls in place, all that's happening is that sensible debate has been kicked down the road because it becomes more and more taboo. It becomes more and more dangerous. People's opinion against it mm. becomes more and more entrenched. And I don't think this is particularly helpful to the overall conversation for those who do want pyrotechnics for those who do want to be trusted with creating that sense of yeah, spectacle yeah. if that's what you believe it is but that wider conversation is totally separate from this which is hundreds of supporters have brought in something that fundamentally is still banned and quite dangerous for anyone mm -hmm. that's got any sort of respiratory problems or just doesn't fancy being scalded it's, <laughs> yes. it's you know that those are two different conversations and i definitely don't think they're conducive to helping one another yeah and uh, we're all the what eight thousand people in that stadium are there to watch football, yes. and obviously, if it then gets the game stopped or potentially abandoned because it, there's a, there's a fire risk or whatever. I mean, what's the point? You, I've never travelled yeah. a couple of hours up through, battled through all those roadworks to get to the stadium, and then it might two minutes, and that's it. I've never quite seen anything like the, the smoke plume in Scottish football. That nah, was at Denz. See, as it came across the across the pitch, I mean, it was zero visibility you know i've been to hamden mm. been to lots of places where there's been pyro and it's a bit smoky and you can vaguely see what's going on behind it that was a wall of impenetrable smoke just coming in from one stand it was yeah it was it was quite something to see and not in a uh, not necessarily in a positive mm. way albeit the pictures and you are reluctant to call them so because it's not something that should have happened but the pictures are spectacular They're, goodness yeah. me they, they really are but and from a on the pitch from a dundee point of view i I think all the delays seem to affect them. I, d yeah. I don't think that uh, Tony Rocker may maybe choose a different team if he had the choice again, I think. Uh, but they just looked affected by all mm -hmm. the stuff that had been going on. Rangers were good. Dundee really didn't look like the team we'd seen all season. Um, so I, I think the whole thing possibly affected them uh, negatively. Um, I was actually going to yeah. congratulate yeah. Dundee because despite the game starting 45 minutes late and then being delayed for another 20 minutes or so, they managed to get the result on the coupons mm -hmm. as if it had kicked off at 7.45. Yeah. Wasted no time losing. Well, the, the fire services were called, George, weren't, weren't they, to the stadium, I believe. Really, there was a few fire appliances outside, so I believe, anyway. Uh, yeah, they'd have they, to they be if the alarms yeah, go off. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Yeah. thing. But they should have stayed on because Dundee got an absolute roasting. Ah, yeah. absolutely. I thought you were they going did. to say to put I, out Dundee. No, they, they, they did, and I, I've got to, you can tell Mercy Dundee was really bad, but Rangers, the Rangers were, were good. good. Yeah. I thought Rangers, they moved the ball about really sweetly. Dundee, that's the first time this season that I can really say I saw them, you know, looking really shaky at the back. And yeah. it went, it was strange, as George says, it was right from kickoff. Dundee took kickoff. Aye, whammy. Yeah. Rangers ended up in their box with the ball. The ball never crossed. The, the halfway line, and if I got passed back, and, and wasn't it actually Lamy sure went to punt it forward, right. and, and, and get blocked. Danilo blocked it, yeah. So it was a really poor start. Yeah. And, uh, Dundee, it's something Dundee haven't been guilty of, but the entire game, Dundee did a lot of things that they haven't been guilty yeah. of. Uh, uh, Trevor like, Carson for the last first goal. night. Yeah. yeah, Trevor Carson, you know, you, you can look at him for, for the first goal, and he made a couple other errors during the, the course of the game as also well. Also made which, some really good saves. Which hasn't good. been like him. It might yeah. mean the fact that at Livingston on Saturday he never had actually anything to do whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. um, but you'd like to think that it had something to do with the fact that the game was delayed 45 minutes and then they have that sort of 10, 15 minute delay after the game yeah. starts. Well, the difference would be the Rangers players were obviously stuck in the bus and trying yeah. to get there. Dundee players were all sitting in the dressing room yeah. for an extra hour or whatever. I don't know whether that would just yeah. sitting around no, it, it be any worse. But in terms of the scoreline, I mean, five no, it did not flatter Rangers. It did not flatter mm -hmm. Rangers in, in the slightest. In fact, if, I think if one or two of them had their shooting boots on, it, it could have been a few more. It was a bit unfortunate the way it ran to four or five, um, the, the way things panned out. I was but going to overall, say one thing about overall, this Dundee team. Yeah. I, I, I could... Anyone can beat 5 0 mm. from the old firm, but usually it's a, an even spread, if you like. Yeah. But when, after, yeah. with 20 minutes to go, it's 2 0, you think maybe yeah. 3. 
Yeah. But I didn't see this well, particular it, Dundee team it, losing it, three goals like that. It going to that, yeah. I mean, Rangers had opportunities. The Dundee's defence has been magnificent this season. I've, I've, I've been singing their praises, Shaughnessy and Lamy and the goalkeeper, Portalis, who's come in and, and done a really good job. But even the simplest long ball last night seemed to give them issues. Mm. I don't know what the problem was. But, you know, the, the, whether it was communication thing, but they weren't clearing the lines. The balls were going over the top. Rangers were, to be fair, were quick. Danilo had, a, Danilo had a, a great game, as I say. He gave them real problems. A lot of pace down the flanks as well. And Dundee were on the back foot for, for most of the evening. But I think I saw a couple of Tony Doherty quotes today saying that, you know, at 2-0, you take that. You take that at 2-0. Yeah. If you can't get back in the mm -hmm. game, fair enough, the game finishes at 2-0. And unfortunately, you know, they let it run away from them a wee bit. So hope that's... That's a lesson for Dundee. I'm, I'm hoping they'll obviously back on the training ground today, maybe in, in, in over the next couple of days, and get things sorted out because um, we don't want to see too many performances like that where they don't look assured. You don't mind losing games, but if you're looking really, really shaky yeah. defensively, then you're going to have an issue in this league. And that's the first time this season I've, I've been able to see say that Dundee were like that last night. That's the thing, isn't it, Alan? You get a you get a result like Saturday where the one and one deservedly at Livingston, everyone's saying, Well, that's the kind of performances we've been putting in, we've got the just desserts. If you lose two 0 last night, you say, Well, it's the old fun. You lose five 0 they're now playing Livingston again on Sunday. Does it affect does it wipe out the benefit of last Saturday's win at Livingston? I don't think so. I do know what you mean in terms of certain results can have a, a knock-on effect in terms of your morale, but I just don't see that. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't see that happening with uh, this squad, and also just due to the circumstances. As George and you guys have discussed, it was such a strange night. Yeah, uh, it was such a strange night, and even the fourth goal was kind of uh, where Kevin Clancy We've not even plays. Got to that yet. Yeah, Kevin Clancy plays a major part in the fourth goal, so you're almost. I'm reluctant to say you write that one off because there is a long way to go from when that happens to the ball going in the net and you can still defend better. However, again, so weird. And I think, to be honest, I've never been less interested in games against Rangers and Celtic as I am in the last few seasons. I think the golf is huge. I think it's uninteresting and inevitable uh, that the, the opposition will probably win uh, just due to the, the, the golf and, and resources and, and personnel. And... I don't think there's any team that should be taking a result like that to mm. heart. I think they should be taking the positives from that game at Livingston and particularly how, uh, speaking to, to somebody involved at Hearts the, uh, the, last night, apparently Livingston were atrocious uh, at Tynecastle. Again, uh, no cutting edge, nothing about them. Yeah, they seem look, to have a problem. Eh? Yeah, they, it really does start to maybe look mm. like a season too far for them. So if I were Dundee, you'd be writing off that, that game against Rangers and saying this is a, a Livy team just like you did uh, in West Lothian that's there for the taking if, mm -hmm. if George, you just, do the business. To, just to take up Alan's point here, I mean, Bear and I remember it well, um, 20, 23 years ago, Bear, Jockey Scott got Dundee to fifth in the league and he dismissed every game against Rangers and Celtic. I mean, I'll tell a story now, I was at a game a fortnight before they played Celtic and Jockey shouted to Willie Faulkner, who was having a great season. Will I remember one booking and you're suspended? At that time, it might still be when you got, when mm. you reached the threshold, it, your suspension was in a fortnight. Mm. And they were playing Celtic in a fortnight. And Jockey was like, get booked today, use up the booking. <laughs> and he, he did it brilliantly. They got, they got annihilated, particularly by Celtic, twice that season. And he just said to the players, just, just forget it. Don't worry about it. They're, they're playing in a different league and it worked and is is that what Tony Doherty and other managers should be doing now I'm just glad Willie's long retired I'm not sure I'll like admit that <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Ramos got banned for that when Mourinho was in charge of Real Madrid yeah, um, yeah I, I think uh, Tony Doherty after the game last night was very quick to point out what Bear said when it gets to two you keep it two or three. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's what really disappointed me. I think T accepts and all the players accept that when you're playing against Rangers and Celtic, that this can happen. Um, so I, I don't, yeah, I don't see it having that big effect on Sunday because I think Sunday's a great game for Dundee. You have to say it's kind of fallen in the lap a wee bit because the game got rearranged. Um, yeah, I'm a bit surprised. Livingston were happy. I yeah, I think I'm guessing it's just because they think they'll have more. 
most fans in stand, but that's a dumpster from it's at Dens Park. So I, I don't yeah. see what Livy get out of that other than not playing on a mid midweek. Um, so I, um, what were we talking about? I've, I've, you can no, tell. You can tell. You can tell. Yeah, can tell four hours sleep. No, yeah. but, no, you made a point there. I mean, I, I'm surprised that Livingston are maybe maybe they were forced into. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances. I think, you, I think when, it, when, the game, the game, when the game is switched, I think we'll be three or four points above Dundee in the actual yeah, table yeah. at that point in time. <laughs> yeah. you know, and Just with Livingston's squad yeah. size, yeah. though, they, would, yeah. they knew that meant three games in eight days. I, I, I don't understand why they're... But then, but then it would have been the same in December because it was a midweek game. Yeah. That's why uh -huh. I got it does, get, uh, it uh -huh. does get really, really... And fair, fair play and for getting the game played. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, their CEO, Dave Black, did uh, tweet about the, the fixture change at the time and cited uh, the ability to create a better spectacle and get more uh, fans along to mm. the game. So, And that is laudable from a Livingston perspective uh, yeah, because they are going to benefit from that rather less than Dundee are. But uh -huh. yet... It will it will benefit some of their own fans that that can make the, that mm -hmm, journey mm -hmm. on a weekend, but couldn't make that journey on a weekend night. So he's doing that for a portion of his his Livingston fans yeah. to an extent. But I would argue absolutely that Dundee will benefit far more. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, so I'm just think wait till our wait till our fans get to the flyer and bright <laughs> and then sure mm. <laughs> and see the road works in and be going. Oh, it's a good idea to have it today, but it's a, I mean it's a, a chance. Again, I suppose it's the gamble you take. Livingston were at home last Saturday, so they would back themselves to have won. You think two teams playing each other so close, you always think, well, the team that wins the first game mm -hmm. certainly won't lose the second mm -hmm. game. That's, Dundee you you certainly, certainly like to think that way. I mean, um, it's a great opportunity for Dundee. I mean, three games in the week, if you take six points out of that three yeah. games, that is a brilliant return. Yeah. A brilliant return for him, and they'll be looking at that uh, and saying, he, "Here's a real chance." But I wouldn't think it too hard to be saying Livingston are, uh, you know, I don't think they've been fantastic this season, but they've still got boys like Newbley and Anderson who are, are capable of of doing something. There's not something not quite right about them. I've got to say, yeah. um, and what I noticed last week, Dundee totally controlled that game. There was no, I mean, I spoke already about Trevor Carson. He did not have a save to make in that game, you know, over the course of the 90 minutes. So it's like that on Sunday, Tony Docker would be really happy. I'd be interested to see what sort of lineup Tony Docker puts out. You know, he's, yeah. he changed it on Saturday at Livingston. He brings in, you know, uh, Silla from nowhere. And, and he, to be fair, the guy had a really, a really good game. And he's, he, he changed it a wee bit again last night. He's he thinks... He thinks long and hard about the opposition yeah. he's up against, and he's he's obviously Change got at half time on he, Saturday. Yeah, he's yeah. obviously got a lot of faith in his squad that he's prepared to, to do that. I mean, Finn Robertson, who had a great start this season, has been left out the last couple. Come out of the match against Ross. Yeah, Green. felt a wee yeah. bit sorry for for Tiffany last night because you know he was on the on the back foot for most of that that first. He half. did okay as well. Yeah, he did okay when he came on against against yeah. Levy through there. But yeah, a good chance on Sunday um, to put a bit of distance between themselves and, and living you, and you see what a win can do for you for a wee while on yeah. over the weekend Dundee were actually sitting in the heady heights yeah. of fourth spot well Dundee have gone from 11th to 4th to 9th yeah. this, mm -hmm. in the space of two games this week it's crazy well, it's, it's funny we were talking last week about just how important that Livingston game was mm -hmm. um, and I think it was underlined by the results we've seen uh, with yeah. St Johnston uh, getting a win from nowhere, mm -hmm. looking very capable of all of a sudden maybe getting a new manager's bounce when that manager comes in. Ross County getting a point away at Hibs, proving that they've got something about them. If Dundee hadn't won at mm -hmm. the Tony Macaroni Arena, then you know you take away that uh, two points off them, even if they'd drawn, they'd be second from bottom. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, as we kind of trailed last week, it was a a really big game and I think this one's just as big I mean it has it's, it, it, it's very much the do-it-yourself league now because no one else is going to do it for no, you that's, that's a good way to describe teams, it the yeah. teams you expect to pick up to win a game or yeah. losing a game Aye. and so unless you're picking the points up yourself you've no idea where you're going yeah, to be it's at the a very the very good way to describe it do-it-yourself and you have to look after yourself and you can't afford to pay too much attention to what's going on Around you, I mean, I never ever thought Lewis St Johnston had a really poor start. You know, this this league has a habit of throwing up results when you least expect them. And uh, Kilmarnock, we well, know, I thought it was a good game for St Johnston to have last night. Kilmarnock have been really good this season, but again, they do have their issues when they go away from yes, home. Yes, I. 
Um, and Nicky Clark getting a couple of goals. He's a big player for St. Johnson. I've got to say, I like really like Nicky Clark. I think he's a he's a Premier League striker, and he will get goals. Message of, to uh, the department manager. Yeah, if St. Johnston can uh, sort out other issues they have on the park and they keep Nicky Clark fit, then they've got a guy there who can who can get goals for them. Um, but don't you have to look after after themselves? And uh, you know. As I say, that that performance last night was to, totally alien for me to what I've yeah. seen all season. As I've said, even in the games at Celtic Park when they lost 3-0, they looked as though they were structured really well. They never really let Celtic in behind too much and, and players running off them and running away from them. Last night was a different story altogether. Now, I'm hoping that that's just a combination of factors, a combination of events that happened last night and uh, we see a, a, a much... Uh, more rigged Dundee and uh, a Dundee that we've seen more often this season than not when they come out on Sunday against Livingston. Yeah, I think that um, performance at Celtic is, is why he changed his team, I think, because he was 4 for 2 at Celtic Park yeah. and it worked well. Yeah. And he went 4 for 2 last night. Um, kind of crowbarred Portales in it right back yeah. and he looked pretty uncomfortable there. He I did think. early doors and you saw him, he, and the manager was having a pop up a, a couple of times. But I think. I think he was unsure exactly where he was meant to went to be. Yeah, because it, it looked like it might have been like a back four that could change yeah. into a back five yeah. quite easily because Donnelly can play on the left. He can play centre back and left back, and obviously Beck mm. could drop back from the left wing. Uh, but it, I don't know. They just looked like they were struggling to get to grips with it. And and Boateng played because he he, he put Silla on. Yeah, in the home role in midfield effectively. I don't Boateng think he that played from far further up the park than I've ever seen him playing yeah. for Dundee, and he did. He looked a wee bit out of sorts. Um, so it's something for the manager certainly to think about. But looking at the game last night, when it goes from uh, sort of two to five, the third goal, uh, Aaron Donnelly, he, 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 he loses the player and he puts his hand on his shoulder and he should really just tug him back. He should really just yeah. take the foul. He's not on a book end. A, young thing, yeah. a bit naive, doesn't do that. Rangers keep the play going, end up the ball, ends up in the back of the net, and then we'll come on to the fourth maybe, goal. I, maybe Kevin Clancy should have done that. Yeah, well, then we'll come on to the fourth goal, George. But you, you haven't you, seen you it You yet. can explain That's it, George. Time, explain. I've, got, I've got it here if you want to watch it live, but it's absolutely... Uh, I've never seen anything like it, I have to say. Um, this might be a new one for the podcast as people listen yeah. to us watching footage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like soccer can, can, yeah. uh, can we squeeze our footage in? There we go. I'm concentrating. This is the silent podcast. We're trying, so basically to, we're Dun- trying to bail you out Dun- for your Dun- lack Dun- of research. Yeah, Dundee are on the attack. They're on the edge of the Rangers box. It gets played into Luke McCowan. And Kim Clancy basically blocks him. And the ball goes to the Rangers and they play one pass up the pitch. To be fair, to be fair to the referee, guys, it's not a booking. It's an indirect free <laughs> kick for accidental obstruction. Yeah. He's got to stop the, the game. Only thing yeah. I, the only thing I mean, I, yeah, apparently on. it's not because he doesn't touch the ball. But right. yeah. apparently the, ah. the literal yeah. rules of the game say that Kevin Clancy has done nothing wrong there, yeah. which is madness. I because think it, maybe we should alter the rules slightly yeah. so that yeah. you don't need to physically touch the ball if you, in order to yeah. have affected the How, performance. But surely, How about the common sense? Exactly. Because no, exactly. no, no Rangers players go now. They, they might have a pop on yeah. the referee for getting in the way yeah, of the boy. Yeah. But everybody understands if he blows the whistle there, he's mm-hmm. like, guys, I've got to stop this because exactly. I've knocked him yeah. the way. And Kevin Clancy's defence, I'm, uh, oh, I'm not, not one this. for defending the referee. He doesn't see Luke McKibben. Luke McKibben's come round uh, on his blind side. I know, side, but even so. But what he does to comp- compound the, yeah. the incident is he steps back into Luke McKibben as Luke McKibben's the way to take the ball. And the whole Dundee team and the fans... Are up in arms about this. Shame it wasn't the pantomime season. Yeah. Somebody would have shouted, yeah. "He's behind, behind you!" Yeah. I, you know, and I make matters worse. The Dundee team actually stopped. Yeah. The Dundee team stopped expecting Kevin Clancy to stop the play, and he doesn't. And within, as George says, one long ball, and Dester's is running through. Yeah. Boom! It's in the back, and it was just complete bewilderment from the fans and from mm-hmm. you know the Dundee staff and, and and the players as well. I think what Kevin Clancy should have done. And I'm not sure if he's, he's, he's allowed to do this, is accept that, you know, he had impeded mm-hmm. McKibben. He hasn't touched the ball and he gives, he might not be able to give a, the ball back to Dundee, but have a stop up between two Dundee and Rangers on the edge of the Dun, on the edge of the yeah. Rangers box. Just stop well, the like, play. Just, you just, just, act, an old just act, yeah. act as if the ball hit you, basically. 
Like in Var not intervene here. Could you not could Var not have said no, 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 Kevin Kevin Clancy, by the rules of the game, right, made yeah. absolutely the right decision. Right, okay. But that's he, the problem he, is, itself, he is only yeah. he is only deemed to have affected the game if he touches the football. So it's the laws that are not said. Exactly. One hundred percent. Kevin Clancy will probably get a pat on the back for applying the rules correctly. But the referees should have the leeway at certain extreme examples where they can go. This isn't in the rules, but in, yeah. the, in terms of fair play and it's, it's called common the game. sense. You if, just, the referee, yeah. if the referee's like, if the referee basically says this shouldn't happen on a football pitch involving the referee, sorry, hands up. Yeah, that's... we were speaking about it uh, when we were waiting George to appear to let us into the building this morning. Yeah. Bear that I, I, I go back to it and I've gone over it many times. If you watch the use of video evidence in rugby, and Everyone can hear what the referee is saying. Everyone can hear what the VAR official is saying. And it's basically while the game is ongoing. They speak to each other, mm. and as do football officials, but it's not rigid about, oh, you'll need to stop and watch that. It's it's like when you get a chance, when there's a break in play, I'll show you something that I think you should have a look at. Or the other way is the referee says to the, the VAR guy, could you have a look at that last move there? I, I thought there was something going on that I wasn't mm. wasn't too happy about. And and it's a conversation and it's it's a consensus and then the referee makes the final decision. And in yeah. fo football, like like Alan says, to be fair to Kevin Clancy, he's probably or could easily be thinking, I wish I could stop the game here, mm. but they say I can't. Mm -hmm. Because they don't give really they don't give referees the power in football. They give them a list of laws and say you must adhere to them to the letter. And Never mind football. Life's not like right. that. You have to sort of be able to adapt slightly to different situations. I have spoken. Sorry, <laughs> uh, the, the, this high horse is getting <laughs> uncomfortable. By the way, I, I, I felt I, well. I was going to say I felt for the referee a wee bit for the fifth goal. I, I don't know if I should, but um, it was definitely it was a hundred percent a penalty. Yeah. As soon as it happened, I, I thought that's going to be a penalty for VAR. But in that situation where he knows. Mm -hmm. that he affected the play for the fourth goal. I think without VAR, the referee would just go, I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen. Yeah. But there's no hiding no, with VAR. Right. Yeah. And the, the, he's, well, actually, I think in that, just that sort of situation, I think the thing the referee can do is say, I did see it and I'm, I don't need to check it. And that, that actually yeah, null, that done, nullifies yeah. it. Yeah. I, there was one at the weekend where the referee the referee, because the, the commentary teams mm -hmm. on the TV matches are getting the referee feedback, and mm -hmm. they said, oh, the referee says, no, I'm not I'm not yeah. going to a screen, I saw it, it's okay, play I on. Do, I do understand, I mean, I understand the, the kind of, the, the principle of that, but at the same time, the referees, a lot, a lot of fans maybe don't believe this, but, I mean, they are constantly assessed and graded, yeah. and yeah. that would be a huge error, not only in terms of your initial decision, but in terms of your obstructive denial like to go over and look at the monitor yeah. that's a, you can't make one kind of catastrophic error to make it's up okay enough, that, you know, know what it's, it's okay just... in under 12 to say they've <laughs> scored enough yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's a funny conversation because I, I would love to like have an honest conversation with kevin clancy because every chance for that fourth goal he knows what he's done he knows yeah. what he should do yeah. uh but unfortunately he knows also knows the rules better than any of us so that he's yeah. got an immediate knowledge of of how to apply them and Maybe he wanted to blow the game up. You know, he knows exactly what's happened. So, uh, you know, if if his thought process was along those lines, then I, I do feel have some sympathy for him on that one because, mm -hmm. as, as Bear says, the loss are an ass. You know, and it's, it's, it was so bizarre last night that we've all forgotten about the goal that got the slide on Saturday. I was going to say <laughs> Kingston, um, which was pretty farcical, I think. Yeah. Um, and the the, the Libby goalkeeper's been voted the man with the best periphery vision in history <laughs> if, <laughs> well, if got, Jordan he, McGee he was in his line of sight. I think he got dropped for Lena in, I think, uh, during the week. But, yeah, it's thankfully these the, 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 all these decisions we're talking about hasn't, hasn't really affected the, res, the results. Um, Dundee would have been absolutely apoplectic if... Uh, mm -hmm. I can't even say that word apoplectic. at the moment. Um, if that if it had oh, been 0-0 or 1-0 at that point. Goodness me. Um... If the, if the game was in, in, in kind of up in the air, because uh, Rangers have won the game by the time. I'm just thinking here, happened. should we be fair? Is it, uh, All these, uh, right across the world just now, we're seeing all these, uh, going through a period of VAR errors and questionable VAR decisions. To be fair to uh, officialdom, is it part of the thing is every game's on TV now. 
every game is recorded now. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. go back, to, no hiding go place, back to our heyday of the seventies and well, early eighties. There was yeah. there was one game one game on BBC Scotland, one game on STV Grampian. That's right, and nothing else. You never no. you never saw a goal from anything else. It's it's, so it's, it's you're right enough. There are because we were at Livy on on Saturday and and when the guys stamped on Boateng um, what's the, the Montano Montano yeah yeah I never saw it. I never saw it. no I followed and the ball and then I was following the ball and obviously Wally Collin never saw it and he was a better better place than he me he honestly knew something had happened but I don't think he saw it but yeah. very quickly Tom you know such as technology nowadays there's a guy next to me with a phone going that's a sender off Aye. and he showed me on the phone so by he the way, must I have I wonder, I wonder if the VAR said Willie you need to look at this and by the way I've seen Davy Martindale's face he uh, thinks it's yeah. a sender off <laughs> yeah, he say, was like what yeah, I've got, what has he done yeah, I've got to say fair play to Davy oh. there's not many even in that instance to come out and say it's a, it's a red card all day there's not many managers Aye. actually come out and see that yeah. you know, it's that, fair to play be fair that was, that was VAR working absolutely yeah. perfectly because Willie Collum obviously hadn't seen it because we, we know he, he doesn't mind getting the cards out mm-hmm. or he's if he'd seen it he would have it would have been a straight red without thinking about it there is an element of that that the positive decisions the correct decisions the good application yeah. of VAR yeah. doesn't get the same attention as the errors and the errors come because humans make mistakes yeah. and all that's happening Aye. is humans are making different sorts of mistakes <laughs> with this new technology Aye, and right. see I laugh when people go VAR's no good it's <laughs> it's yeah. us as a species see, see if, that's flawed. See if for the last 20 years we'd been capable of just going, humans make mistakes and let's just go on with our lives, then maybe we wouldn't be in this mm-hmm. technological hellscape. But this is uh, this is what's <laughs> happened. Uh, people complained, people used referees as scapegoats, people lost their minds, so we've ended up with this. So And now now we're just doing it again. Uh, so God knows what football's going to look like for 10 years if we keep complaining yeah. and, and not accepting that people make mistakes. I would just bin the whole thing. The technological hellscape is a good title for yeah. this podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, I'd actually take the Rangers pyros and set the bloody thing on fire. <laughs> Dense Park? VAR. VAR. <laughs> See, this, Not is what, this is what happens when they reveal that government officials swear all the time. George has now got potty. What did I swear? Bloody. Oh, that's not a swear word. <sighs> I had I'll my mouth washed out with soap by my mother for saying it, so it's we, swearing we, in the We heard you before we started pressing record, so <laughs> don't, don't start that. The recorder's pressed already. I'm got... the only person that's watched these, these COVID inquiries and seen their WhatsApps and go, I don't think that language is that bad. <laughs> I don't think. I don't. I, just, just for people to get the context, I think producer Megan should leave everything, all of that in. Are you kidding? Well, that. <laughs> anyway, enough. It's time to move over the road to the Silver Stadium. Silver, Silver Stadium. Yes, Silverware Stadium. Okay, I missed a bit. Cos Allen. I'm go- I've got three words oh, to say to you. Over in October. <laughs> Wraith Rovers have got a lot yeah. to say back to you. Yeah, exactly. Probably a couple of words. It's, um, no, we can't, we even can't if repeat them. No. Even if they win their fucking game in half, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a point is something United won't drop. Um, well, uh, yeah, we'll see. United continue to yeah do their job uh, very efficiently. Um, they're win at the Excelsior Stadium, as it's now called, um, again, was rather less spectacular than the previous weeks, six and five, but it was just another example of grinding it out. They never looked in a great deal of uh, trouble, despite the fact that um, Jack Walton did make a really, really good save on the cusp of halftime to deny Lewis McGregor when he was clean through, but fundamentally, United still don't really look like conceding goals, and... Uh, they always look like they'll score at least one at the other end, which over the course of the season should certainly get you over the line. But uh, the the pace that they are setting is is quite clearly remarkable. They've scored seven, uh, more than seven goals for every goal that they've conceded. They're unbeaten at the league. They've only dropped points in three. With all that in mind, for Wraith Rovers to only be four points behind them with a game in hand is hanging in there is stunning from them and. I think um, clearly it's not a, a Rovers podcast, but they deserve an immense amount of credit. You know, they don't have the depth uh, or the resources that United have, and they've got you know dealt with a lot of injuries already this season. So, uh, a lot of credit goes to them. United, in the meantime, will just keep plodding along, safe in the knowledge that 
you know, they do have those resources, they do have that firepower, and they are winning games more comfortably than Wraith Rovers are, which will give them the confidence that uh, when it does come to these fine margins, they, they will streak away. But what is happening really quickly is two-horse race, I think, pretty much. I mean, mm-hmm, you're already yeah. looking at that table, and because of the pace that Wraith Rovers are keeping with Dundee United, your Thistles, United, uh, Air United, your you know Queens Park. I mean, they just can't keep anything like that pace. There's just there's no consistency among them. So it's it's looking like these two teams for the title. Ah, I was going to say. I mean, if your beloved Wraith Rovers <laughs> uh, win their game in hand, the top two will have a dub- double digit lead over third place after eleven, twelve a t- games. A tiny bit more yeah. than a quarter. Ah, it's it's. Hmm. it's I'm not good at fractions. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an impressive pace, and I think if you're at Starks Park, you're probably ruining the fact that you're in this division with yeah. this Dundee United. Yeah, just say because that. you'd be yeah. saying to yourself, see if this was any other year, um, they're setting a promotion pace. So uh, that'll be incredibly frustrating. But once again, not Dundee United's problem. Uh, Dundee United's focus is just to carry on, and it does have a real sort of juggernaut energy to it I mean they're away form in particular yeah I mean they've conceded 16 four. goals and one against it's ludicrous isn't it and That's again crazy. you know so again it's uh, the only uh, points they've dropped on the road were at Starks Park which again credit to them so uh, on several levels the only team that's even close to them is, uh, is Rovers but yeah, they're, they're, the way they're scoring goals <laughs> 30 goals for and four against it's just um it's pretty preposterous uh-huh. pace, to be perfectly honest. And um, if they can keep that up, it won't always be as spectacular as it was last week. Um, the 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 six 0 against the Broth was obviously a uh, fitting of the celebratory ex- uh, experience and made a right uh, fool of me for predicting that a Broth were going to take something off them. I know um, we were in a panic. <laughs> we were in a panic last Thursday. Yeah. This was the game, and I mean, because I, I mean, again, it, uh, first. First game of the season when United cantered it down at Gayfield, our both obviously weren't ready and, and mm. you were a bit worried about their summer signings and stuff like that. But they'd hit form. Mm-hmm. And when our both hit form, until last Friday, nobody's turned them over. Uh, they might lose games, but they don't get hammered. And it was a hammering plus, wasn't it, last Friday? Well, I, I tweeted something along the lines of, I can't see it being four again, but um, which was true. You know, I mean, ah, a, as far as yeah, predictions go, yeah, it's yeah. was four. Um, it's four but, for a while, but yeah. Uh, but um, I, I certainly didn't see six coming, so. But that's what United can do to teams, and that's what they'll look to do, is when, see, when they come out at that pace, they were bigger, stronger, fitter, faster. They were everything that United should be in this league, and that's what they can do to teams. But the positive is they can also grind it out when they're not at their best. Which was probably the case in midweek, uh, you know, on a plastic pitch away from home against a team that yeah. pops it about. That's what we need. You just need to leave with three points. And um, uh, yeah, only only downside really, Ross Docherty's injury. Yeah, and before we get to him, but my ability to <laughs> to look on the dark side of everything, I'm just I'm sitting here. I love a nightmare scenario. As Alan <laughs> says, Wraith would wish, you know, United go away. <laughs> and any other season yeah. they're out there they could find if United open a wee gap to them they could be in that nightmare scenario where they're so much better than the rest that by Christmas they could know they're in the playoffs yeah. and the hardest job for a manager then is to keep the players focused yeah. it gets to the playoffs and the players have been coasting for no. two or three months how often do we see in these playoffs often down in England the team that finishes in the highest position Loses in the first playoff yeah, game because clean, they've been oh, there. Last yeah, they've been there for weeks and weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to Wraith last season. I think they were the only team actually in the division who never had anything to play for at yeah. the end of the season. Yeah. They were stuck in limbo. We uh-huh. all the other teams were either going for the playoffs mm-hmm. or the title or trying to avoid relegation. You know, so that's a strange one. To, I, mean, I mean, I think when Dundee. Dundee won, won it last season and, and they do finally pull maybe five or six points clear at the top. There's, there's still only about 10, 10 points covering about yeah. six teams. And I honestly thought mm. this season was going to be even more even more competitive when you saw that the, the teams that were going to be in there with Dunfermline coming back up and things like that. But don't you think they're just blowing the, blowing the mm-hmm. teams away? I mean, Alan's right. They're, they're not giving teams a look in. And see when, see when you're really tight at the back and 
you get your noses in front. The confidence is just oozing through that United side at, at this point in time. And the great thing, I think, from Jim Goodwin's point of view is that we've seen already since the start of the season. The United have got some big, big players in terms of that. I'm obviously, obviously talking about guys like Mo, Sybald, uh, Doherty um, at the back. You've got Gallagher. But when these guys haven't played for one reason or another, don't you need to stop being able to win yeah. games? Yeah. So, you know, it's, they're in a fantastic position at this point in time. Um, yeah, credit to Wraith Rovers for, for hanging in, but that's all they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're trying to hang in there to, to keep it to keep yeah, it interesting. you wonder how long that lasts. Yeah, you, you never know. You'd, I mean, it could all switch in a minute. And yeah, United are scrambling wins in Wraith. I can, but I don't, I don't really see that, see that happening, uh-huh, to be honest uh-huh. with you. Bear's right in what he says. Obviously, the, the United aspect of that is the confidence flows out of them when they take the lead, but... I think the other side of it is as well, you can see it fall away from the opposition because yeah. see when you are as solid as United are, I think there's a kind of, you know, a, a, an appreciation from the opposition that see if United go ahead, you're very unlikely to get anything out of the game. And I think they know that. I mean, I'm thinking, uh, I don't have every game in front of me, so this is off the top of my head, but I think Morton might be the only time United have gone ahead and not seen the game out for a win. And that was... We'll remember it's a kind of silly I, I just mm-hmm. a nonsense goal it was the yeah, one where right. Gallagher right. heads past Walton yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was so silly that you mm-hmm. almost write it off as just a moment of madness so beyond that when Dundee United go ahead they win games and every other team in the league knows that and I think that psychological boost not only in terms of your own confidence but the blow that it has on the opposition mm-hmm. is a big one and I think that's why they're so they look so capable and you know, you're covering the game and you feel confident that it's a when United go ahead, it's early intros. You know, you're not <laughs> going to you're not going to have a, a a rewrite or a turnaround because you just feel like this is a theme that will see it out, and that could not be uh, notwithstanding the drop in level, which clearly is a huge part of yeah. it. It could not be more different from last season. But Lee Wilkins said pretty much what you've said in his, his column this week. Right. He said United are. The Celtic of the Championship. Oh, I saw, I saw the ha- replies to that. Yeah. They have that. Um, I did what the replies were doing and just read the headline and moved <laughs> on. So I'm assuming he made a very wise point he within did. it, though. It was, it was very much. Did he not just mean they both have a nice? They both had a nice green strip once. <laughs> Can I be doing with Celtic's Adidas black Adidas <laughs> stripes? No. Who who told them that was a a colour match? Sorry, I, I don't know. Sorry uh, to bring the Milan fashion show into this, <laughs> but it's, it's very much the same vibe that they're they're the big dogs in the championship. Yes. Uh, and when you go behind them, I mean they don't give away any goals. I mean, yep. uh, so what I was going to say, you know, what I like it, but I, I would call it the Sean Dillon philosophy. I've mentioned this before. Mm. They've got that ability, and, and and when he played under Jackie McNamara, they had that ability to to take a, two, a one goal lead or a two goal lead and make it into a four four or five goal lead. But the thing that he got frustrated about with that team was there comes a point in the game and I assume this happened on Tuesday night where they're like well we've not scored four or five the last 20 minutes mm-hmm. let's not lose yeah. anything and well, they've got that thing where they say right well we're winning we're not going to get the cricket score everybody expects or wants us to see but we're going to win mm-hmm. that basically happened at half time you know it was only 1-0 but see for the last 20 minutes of that first half Airdrie had come into it, were playing through Dundee United a bit better because Dundee United uh, were a bit more aggressive in the pressing higher up than they, they were at Tannadice in the, in the reverse fixture. But Airdrie were starting to find a way to pass through that. And at mm-hmm. half time, Jim Goodwin visibly has gone, do you know what, let's just be tight, soak it up and see what Glenn and Kai can get on the break. And it worked terrifically in the second half. They did, they shut up shop and they are good enough at it and are playing opposition with the best will in the world if we're comparing it to Premiership football. Yeah, yeah. They're playing opposition of a level that are incapable of playing through that, to be to be honest. They, they, Airdrie didn't look like scoring in the second half. So, they yeah, they basically took that Sean Dillon philosophy from the half-time mark <laughs> and were confident enough that, yeah, if they wanted to shut up shop at half-time, mm-hmm. they could go through an entire half of football and not consider but goal. It, and that's what they yeah. did. It makes sense because, I mean, Airdrie, we've all seen Airdrie, and they do knock the ball about nicely and they play some really nice stuff, mm. but they don't really have that cutting edge mm. at the championship lost. level. So when United have that strength and defence, that confidence that they just know that if if they just keep it tight, they're not giving anything away. And then they've got guys like Fotheringham or, or Malt, whoever's on the pitch to, to go up and grab a goal that kills it. There's, a great, there's another great example of that on, on Friday night. The result was 6-0. It was the 88th minute. 
Michael McKenna gets a wee bit of space in the box, gets a shot away. Boys throwing themselves in front of it. Jack mm -hmm. Walton makes a great save. One of those little half spills where, you know, you need to jump on it. And Dundee United boys, again, throwing themselves, muscling off, you know, high fives all around. Mm. It was 6-0. <laughs> Who cares if it finishes 6-1? But yeah. th they do. You know, mm -hmm. they do. And uh, I think that mentality and the set standards that have been set defensively just at the moment are the are undoubtedly the foundations that will probably see them win this league. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about that. I mean, that's, that's vital. That's built into defenders and goalkeepers. Yeah. Though. It's nothing more annoying if, you, if you're winning 6 and you lose a sloppy goal yeah. in, in, in the final minutes because basically... What you don't want is you know next week you could be winning one 0 or drawing nil 0 and it's in the final yeah. minutes you know and that sneaks in again and you've lost it and, and suddenly you know you've got something in your in your makeup now that we've got a problem here but we're, we're, we're switching off late on yeah. I, I, you've seen it at the start of games as well with your teams for some reason are keep losing goals early goals and they can't get out that that habit Dungeon United don't have that but it's right across across the park that's why it's important that. You know they, they don't get in any bad habits whatsoever, and Jim Jim Goodwin, uh, I'll be drumming that into them going forward as well. Certain desperately for something to worry about. <laughs> uh, all I can come up with is they've got Inverness on Saturday. Very interesting return to Tannerys mm -hmm. for yeah. for big dunk. Then they've done Fenland away on the tenth. That's the last league game of the month. Yeah. That's the, th the authorities are against them. They hate the East Coast. They knew United were going to be out there. I mean, if you're United, the, the two cup games, you would you would you want a run of league games, don't you? Nah, but they have given but them a, 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 a gimme in the Scottish Cup against bloody Queen's <laughs> Oh, so. presumably nobody Better else. Better have done free. Yeah. <laughs> presumably nobody else is playing yeah, either. So, so. <laughs> it's, it's not like yeah. they can fall behind. No, so. no, it's, it's just you. Uh, you, you, know, yeah. you don't want a break from the. You when just, the league's everything. You just want this yeah. league won as quickly as possible <laughs> so you can go. I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. I'm going to I think Jim Goodwin showed in, in the last round of the, the Challenge Cup that you know he was he wasn't going to play a, a, a second string. You know, no, I played his first so, officer. So I'll just be whoever's the opposition, whatever whatever week it is, whatever the competition, Dundee United are just going to keep going and keep going and keep going, and that's the message he's he's putting out there, which is a really strong message to have. Ah, it's, I mean, it's uh, from that point of view, particularly the Challenge Cup or whatever it's called yeah. now. It's good timing by them because. A week, it's a week on from the last game, mm -hmm. so you're going to play pretty much your first team because you want them ticking at this time of the season. You want them ticking over every game, don't you? Unless, unless somebody's carrying a knock or something like that. So, but as as George has already alluded to, and in the Challenge Cup, it's Falkirk, so it's maybe bad news for Falkirk and Queen of the South that they're going to face a strong Dundee United team later this month. Yeah, it's not it's not a draw I, I enjoyed, I have to say. But I'm not enjoying anything about Queen of the South at the moment. So. <laughs> but big dunk coming back on Saturday. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, um, and not only is it the, the narrative factor of him coming back to Tanadice and, you know, trying to silence the stand that he paid for and all that and all that good stuff it's, uh -huh. it's the fact that he's uh, he's also coming back with a team that he has reinvigorated yeah. they are it's made a difference. you know they're, he's made a difference he's getting a few results he's signed a couple of interesting players you know coming mm -hmm. to Tanadice with to, just David to be Wallace pedantic I should point out it was the Blackburn offer was a stand <laughs> yeah. Rangers offered money yes it was uh, but no doubt that went and paid for the stand anyway <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, I, I'll be a test uh, for, for Dundee United and in terms of the, what he's done with Inverness, but also just the the, the narrative of it all. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to pick one team that we're going to yeah. end this unbeaten streak, Duncan Ferguson's I Inverness think, kind of feels like yeah. it. But I think will get a good reception on I think so. I think he'll yeah. get a decent reception from I the don't. I, I don't think he'll get a bad reception, no. but I, I wonder, I think he'll be quite interested to see. And he, he, over time, he's become a very popular, he's yeah. a popular figure in general, and rightly yeah. so, because he's, great honest personality but he wasn't actually in United's first team for very long no 88 games no. he played I'm surprised it's as much as much mm -hmm. as that he, he wasn't around at Tannerice he, he, he exploded on I the scene it's funny because he's you know he, he's described as a cult hero but he almost becomes a cult hero more in hindsight because you hear more of the stories about yeah. his time like the famous stories that you, you hear about him under mm -hmm. Jim McLean's they weren't the rock public. bar, Minas Hill. Yeah, you know, 
not necessarily as, as it wasn't information that was all public domain and, and known at the time. And so it's almost he's almost become a cult hero in, in retrospect. And obviously, his time at Rangers, he didn't exactly become synonymous with being a, a smash hit. No. Probably not the best turn of phrase. Yeah. Um, Move at, on quickly. At, at Rangers. Yeah. So it's, um, I, I guess that takes away the, the something that maybe would uh, pull away from your popularity with United fans if you were too closely associated with with Rangers. So he's you know he's very much a, a guy who made his legend down south. So yeah. there's no reason not yeah. to be fond of him. And as I say, the the stories which um, obviously wouldn't have been too enjoyable for anyone at the time, but have now become kind of the stuff of, of legend and, and anecdotes just adds to that that sort of cult hero status. So really interesting to see him back. And I'm, I'm like you, I, I expect him to get a kind of a fairly yeah. warm yeah. welcome, you know, especially because he's one of these guys that doesn't come back too often. You know, no. there is still that element of, you know, he was, God, he was entirely missing for so long. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, I think he'll get a warm welcome, but it will quickly return to business. And there might even be an element of United enjoying the focus being on him this week because the focus every week is on Dundee United's unbeaten run. Can they keep this going? They need to win this. They need to win the league. The pressure's all on United. I dare say the next couple of days will be quite Duncan Ferguson heavy, and I think I can. I suspect Jim Goodwin and, and United will mm. probably enjoy that. So I take it you've been spending the week looking for old youth teammates that will tell us. <laughs> that, that's that's all the, the stories that, have been told. <laughs> I, well, not not all, and that's that's the thing you you forget a lot. A lot of his stuff at United was stuff that. The, uh, the club kept quite quiet, and it wasn't it wasn't outrageous stuff, but uh, I mean it's just that that kind of. It was probably, it was probably fortunately was, for for Duncan, it was at a time when you could you could keep yeah. stuff quiet. Have <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't a time of mobile phones where you were you were captured doing certain things you shouldn't be doing. Um, but I'm more interested in the fact that he's he's come up here, and I always thought he had a chance um, because Inverness I thought were punching well below their weight. They still had a good a good squad there, yeah. a players mm-hmm. who can. If not, if not win the title, certainly be pushing for a place in the, in the playoffs. I mean, you look at you look at their, their team, and the, you know, Rogers and the goal's been around for a long time. The guy Carson's a reasonable player on the right hand side. Cami Harper, I like him at left back. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's decent. They've still got Boy Mackay up top. The boy Shaw is a decent player, and there's there's, there's two or three others. And there shouldn't be a team that's at the bottom, and you're starting to see no. results come. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's set up for a, a, a decent game with the dunk factor involved as well. I think David Wotherspoon's a good sign as yeah, well. You look, yeah, yeah. Look at, yep. you look at how immediately he's come yep. into the team and hit the ground running and scored a goal. And I think you'd be... I mean, it's not my patch anymore, so none of my business, but if you were James McPake and Dunfermline Athletic, having David Wotherspoon having basically trained with you all, all summer, several weeks, and... and got his fitness up, got ready to hit the ground running only to join Inverness and yeah. immediately, you know, take that fitness levels and, and, and hit the ground running for them. And now Inverness are only three points behind them, Fermlin. Yeah. I, I would be, uh, I don't think I would be the happiest camper. So it's... Um, it's uh, Although I think um, whether it's whether it's James McPake or other people around the place are very... Paul McGowan did the same, trained all, trained mm-hmm. all summer. But yeah. Fairman just don't have a big budget. I yeah. think I think with the best will in the world, I think David Wotherspoon's a bigger loss than Paul McGowan. Yeah, so I uh, totally, I totally agree, totally agree with yeah. you. But it's just that it's, I think people, uh, and in fairness to the Dunfermline fans, I think they do actually appreciate that, yeah. that James McPake, through no fault of the clubs, has got one hand tied behind yeah. his back financially because he's lost a couple of players mm-hmm. who would have been more than happy to sign for him. So that's it. But I do. I, I'm very interested to to, to see how how. how uh, nice to know what Big Dunk thinks about uh, Saturday too. Just from the point of point of view, he, he wasn't a great. He, he wasn't a big talker all his time. Most of his time as a player, he wasn't a big talker. That's mm-hmm. something that's actually developed mm-hmm. as Everton caretaker manager, <laughs> and the, the the times he did that. So uh, people didn't. People really only knew him on the park and the stories off the park. So mm-hmm. he's not. He likes a video message these days. <laughs> Does he? Uh, in selfie mode. Yeah. Ah, it's yeah. gone viral a couple of oh, those. You, you so. and I've managed to him. get one, didn't you? When he was there, I've heard him on other inferior podcasts as well. He's very, <laughs> yeah. very interesting. Uh, well, I, I, would, I would assume our friends up at the, the PNG will be speaking to him today. So um, we'll. We'll hear what he's got to say about his return to Dundee, but I'm sure it'll be um, I'm sure it'll be very interesting and one that he's very much looking forward to. Anyway, returning to United, Alan touched on this earlier. Ross Doherty, don't want him injured again. No, um, 
I mean, to take any silver lining, uh, what I would say is before kind of launching into the uh, the was me stuff, it's uh, Jordan Tilson came on and played really well uh, at Airdrie. So f credit to him. That's what he's been brought in to do. Um, if Sybald or Doherty get injured, and uh, you know he did that role well, but. Speaking more generally, yeah, it's just been incredibly frustrating for Ross Doherty more than anything because that's both hamstrings he's had bother with and now it looks like a groin injury. But um going to speak to Jim at Tanner Dyson a couple of hours, so we'll get an, an update on that. But it's it will just be frustrating. It's get it it just interrupts your momentum, which has actually made Ross Doherty's form all the more impressive. Because he's gone to say that. What, does that it, what does it say about him that he's yeah. not, he hasn't really been fit all season and yeah. he's one of the best players? So, yeah, so he'll, he'll just be crying out for that momentum that he's been sort of denied, which is it's just unfortunate because he's not a player that's ever had any, you know, you know, discernible, constant, persistent injury problems. You know, he plays a lot of games and has done for a long time, so... It's uh, it'll be uh, disappointing for him, but we'll we'll see what the diagnosis is. And in the meantime, in getting Jordan Tilson on loan, they've got a player who has played quite a bit of top flight football mm -hmm. over the last few years. He is more than capable of coming in and snapping into tackles and filling gaps and making passes. So you would hope that the drop off isn't too much. But um, Ross Doherty also brings a lot, you know, in terms of. Um, his uh, communication and his presence and his role as captain in the dressing room, you know, before the match, half time for the team talks and all that sort of stuff. So he's a he's a man you want in your starting lineup, albeit it shouldn't be a disaster if he misses a couple of games. But it'll be interesting to get the full uh, prognosis uh, later today. Yeah, and I mean, bear if he's going to miss games. I've <coughs> expressed my frustration at the lack of league games later this mm -hmm. month. Mm. It might only be a couple of yeah. if he's out for three or four weeks. It's only a couple there, of league games. There may he's be an opportunity there to uh, uh, Jim Gooden will look at and go, well, yeah, we do have these coming up. So if it is something that maybe requires a bit of rest, there is an opportunity there to to leave him on the sidelines. Although I've got to say, um, I think we had him out the last time and he suddenly appeared from nowhere out absolutely yeah. like, yep. right back into the team which so. one which one might suggest might be a bit of the problem <laughs> yeah well <laughs> maybe yeah and uh, did he not appear and appear for much longer than he thought he would yeah it's I think Jim appears to be a manager that if you can get back into some form of training and put your hand up and say I'm ready yeah. to play an hour he will play you so um, we've seen it with Craig Sibold, we've seen it with, with Ross Docherty, you know, Louis Moult, obviously we played up in Peterhead when we didn't necessarily expect it. So, you know, he will give people the chance to come back into the side, but yeah, um, Ross Docherty, I think, has played while at maybe 70%-ish um, a couple of times this season for sure. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Maybe we'll see him in midfield on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, and Jim Goodwin as well is getting players back. He is a bit of a mastermind manager, isn't he? You get the impression the player's like, I'm good for an hour, Gaffer. And he, once you're on the park, he's like, You've started, so yeah. you'll finish. Uh -huh. <laughs> I wonder where you were Thank going you very much. One. Thank you very much. I wonder where you were going with that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's worked for him. It's worked for him so far. I think he trusts his players. I think he speaks to his players. I think the players, yeah. you, you get the feeling that they're enjoying playing under him. And, you know, I can only, I can only give huge credit to, to Jim Goodman. From where he was, you know, maybe in yeah. the last twelve months to where he is now, you know, Jim Goodman was always a good, good manager. You saw that with what he did at Alloa, you know, you saw that. You did know, it St. Martin? What he did at St. Martin up at Aberdeen didn't work out, so he took the hit. He went to Dundee United. You know, when we, I, I questioned that that decisions to do that, but then also questions United's judgment whether to give him the give him the job after they've been relegated. It's now proved it's certainly looking like it, it was the right one, and he's getting. You know, he's reaping the benefit of that, and it's good to see him with a smile on his face. He is a man who, when you're fans get emotionally invested, in, yeah. and, and results are everything. But when you're looking at a club from slightly afar or afar, so and you dismiss results, he's always a manager who you think that's how a manager should behave and that's how a manager should operate. Like, I mean, we're praising Ross Doherty, but if you actually look at all these summer signings. Whether the whether they performed well on the park or didn't, the one thing you would say about the the Holts, the Gallaghers, the Doherty's, uh, and others, they're all good pros. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't expect them to be out for longer than they had mm -hmm. to be, and things like that. So you're not surprised that Doherty's come back. 
he's he's compiled a very very good dressing room. Yeah, there. he's got a good kind of call it in modern football a leadership group I believe they call them these days but he's yeah I think we used to call them good senior pros and <laughs> he has got a, a good bunch of those it's a it's a dressing room that runs itself um with with minimal um interruption that's how Jim Goodwin likes his dressing rooms to run to you know players to manage themselves to an extent you need to have the right people to do yeah. that and he has compiled the right people and earnestly when you speak to uh, the boys at, at Dundee United at the moment, it, the the vibe is just tremendous. That they are enjoying themselves, and um, that's a that's a big part of it because we're about to get in that sort of long sloggy part of the season. Yes. and you know it's about the players motivating themselves, staying positive, you know, staying motivated. And I think when you've got the right personalities in there, that job becomes a lot easier. Great stuff. Well, that's about it for this week, George and Birkin. Fine. Well, George can get to his bed. Bear can get that pint. He was <laughs> thirsting for from about half past nine last night. George is still smelling like a cupper after last night. That <laughs> <laughs> <I> smoke. <laughs> thank, thank goodness you explained that. And I think we'll need to cut it short there. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice 